unmute. We're good to go. I'm going to slide this into my pocket. All right. Today, let's start off in Luke chapter 13. So if you want to go ahead and, and go to Luke chapter 13, that's where we're going to start off today. And the message I'm going to be delivering today is um, actually something that uh, God has been, God did, did in my life or gave to me actually years ago in 2018. And sometimes you something now, yeah, I do this with my own children, I will give them uh, some information, advice, something that they're going to take now, but use later, right? And so, so, this is done in my life in a very similar fashion. He he gave this message to me to deliver to a group of people um, when we were in Illinois, but uh, little did I know, he was also going to use it in my life four years later. Um, so, this morning... Uh, the title of the message today is Beginning with the End in Mind. And uh, so, you know, again, this passage in Luke, and we're going to be in Luke 13, 31 through 35, it, it reminded me of this, this passage that I preached in 2018. And, and that, I, I titled it the same message, Beginning with the End in Mind. Because Jesus, we see in verse 35 of Luke 13, he's grieving over the children of Israel being desolate instead of fruitful. And so, obviously, we know that is not what God had intended for the children of Israel. But through continual disobedience, rebellion, and rejection of God, that's how they ended up. And even though God sent many prophets to turn them back to Him, they continually rejected Him. And so, we know through the Scripture that in the end, they they ended up crucifying Him, their very Messiah. And so, God turned to the Gentiles and that's how we have uh, the extension of eternal life today is because God turned to the Gentiles with the gospel. And now we have, we have salvation by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. And we read that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, of course. But there are lessons to be learned from the mistakes that the children of Israel made so that as New Testament believers, we don't become spiritually desolate ourselves. And so God wants us to be fruitful, leading people to Jesus in salvation, and leading others into a personal relationship with God. And that's what we know as discipleship. And that was the focus of Jesus' earthly ministry, right? Making disciples who could and would preach and teach the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's wild to me to think about that how Jesus was fully God, but fully man on earth in Fully as a man, his time on earth was finite. It blows my mind that Jesus, God himself, came down to earth and gave himself a limited number of years to reach, to preach repentance unto salvation. And so, knowing that, he was intentional about ministering to others every day. And he began every day with the end in mind. And so, I think that's just a good example of how I should begin every day. I should begin every day with the end in mind, understanding that I have a finite amount of time to see souls saved, bearing spiritual fruit to God's glory, and thereby fulfilling God's purpose in my life. And so let's go ahead. Let's look at Jesus' heart for the souls in Jerusalem and his example of how a mature believer approaches ministry. So we're going to first look at Jesus' example of what to do 
And then we're going to go over to Isaiah and we're going to find out what to do and what the result of that is, which is obviously desolation. So let's look at Luke chapter 13, verse 31. And it says, The same day there, there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. So a little bit, bit of background of how we got Jesus is coming from Nazareth of Galilee, or he's going from Galilee on his way to Jerusalem about preaching and teaching in parables. And that's what he's doing here. And on this particular day, these Pharisees come. And what do they do? They bring spiritual attack. Right? So a couple of observations. Satan uses the Pharisees, religious rulers, religious leaders, guys who look good, talk good on the outside, but on the inside, they're doing wicked things and working on the behalf of Satan. And they use intimidation and fear through the threat of death. But notice, the threat doesn't come directly from Herod. In fact, we see in two other places in Luke that Herod actually desired to see Jesus. If you go go over to Luke chapter 9, look at verse 9. Luke 9, 9. This says there, And Herod said, John have I beheaded. Right? So John the Baptist, we know, was Jesus' cousin. And Herod, because of a promise that he made to his niece, beheaded John the Baptist. It says, But who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. And he, here he's actually talking about Jesus. Is this John the Baptist resurrected from the dead? And so he's like, what's going on here? But he realizes, uh, if, if this is somebody different, I want to see this guy. And I want to see him do some sort of miracle. Look at Luke 23 in verse 8. And it says, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. We the end, Herod does play a part in um, Jesus' um, crucifixion. But at first, whenever Herod sees Jesus, he had to see him, and he wants to see some miracle performed. And of course, Herod and his 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 uh, army, his soldiers, they examine Jesus, and you know he doesn't answer them. So Herod thinks he's being mocked, and so of course that's when they put the they put the robe on him, and they they mock him, and they beat him, and things like. But here, I want us to see about living a, a mature spiritual life or, or something that I, I guess I would say is a characteristic of a mature believer because it's, it's what we see in Jesus here. Um, and, and what happens when believers try to minister the Word of God or just try to minister to others. Satan will use whomever and whatever tactic he can to keep from ministering. And then let's go ahead and let's look at Luke chapter 32 and see how the story can unfold. It says, said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. And so when I read this, I look at several observations here. Number one, Jesus is not afraid to confront his attackers. He's not afraid to confront the attack from Satan head on and deal with it directly. He's not deterred from ministering today tomorrow and the day after and he's continuing to minister with the end in mind which is direction and so key point number two 
Mature believers understand that we too will be perfected at the end of our lives, and that when that until that time comes, like Jesus, we must not be t- deterred from ministering to others. And so we know that if we are a believer, we've called on the name of the Lord to save us at the end of our life. We know Sam talked about it in service this morning. Um, our souls will depart our bodies and we'll be present with the Lord. And so that's another characteristic in Jesus here and in the life of a mature believer. Let's look at Luke thirteen thirty-three. the next verse. It says, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perished out of Jerusalem. And so here we see that Jesus had the attitude that no matter what came his way, he had to walk today, tomorrow, and the day following. Continuing to minister and preach was it more important to Jesus than his own life. So key point number three, mature believers consistently minister despite spiritual attacks. And then we look at verse 34, and we see Jesus, he's grieving, he's lamenting over the the city of Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, the children of Israel. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. And so we see here that, that Jesus, he, he was grievous over the children of Israel and their spiritual condition. And so, key point, mature believers grieve over lost souls and those who need to be restored back to fellowship with other believers in God. Go on and we look at verse 35 here. and It says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so here we see that the spiritual condition of the children of Israel in the end is desolation. And God came to them to Jerusalem in the flesh as Jesus Christ, and they rejected him yet again, sending him to the cross. And so key point number five, if I don't want to be left desolate, I must receive Jesus Christ and walk like him. And so this is where we're going to turn our attention to, um, it's maybe a short message, um, we're going to turn our attention over to Exodus to contrast what we just looked at through Jesus' example of living a victorious Christian life. Let's look at what desolation looks like, how the children of Israel got there and some of the lessons we can learn from their mistakes. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. 
they are gone away backward. And I got to tell you, when I first preached this message in 2018, I was actually in the book of Exodus. And part of the, the, the theme that God keeps bringing up to me is this idea of moving forward, not standing still or moving backwards. Because um, we see through this what happens when we're to stand still, when, the, when, when Satan's after us and we're, we're not wanting to move from a place of being comfortable in our sin to living in a victorious life through Jesus Christ or, or with God. And so that's, that's really what this was born out of was, um, was this idea that, hey, I need to keep moving forward and not backward. And so as we've been going through the series on victory and exodus, God keeps recalling Exodus back to my mind. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 14 and let's take a look at what happens there. And I shared some of this in class the last time and, and so you guys are kind of getting to hear some of my testimony through this, my first opportunity to, to share with you in, in class here. So hopefully you get to see a little bit of my heart today and what God has done in my life, where He's brought me from what he's doing now. In Exodus chapter 14, we see that the, the children of Israel, uh, God is, is using and working in Moses' life to deliver them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And uh, so here we are there. They've come out of Egypt. They're getting ready to go across the Red Sea. And so here we are in Exodus 14, um, verse 10. It says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the ch- children of Israel lifted up their eyes And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So here they are. God is promising, promising deliverance, freedom, uh, to go and to serve Him, to worship Him, to live the life and to carry out the promise He, he made to Abraham to make them a great nation. And yet here they are. They felt more comfortable staying in Egypt, the place of bondage, than moving forward. And I know there are times in my life where I get stuck in that place. So let's take a look at what Moses' response is and and how God responds. Verse 15, or verse 13, I'm sorry. Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So Moses' immediate response is to tell the people to stand still. But let's take a look at God's response here. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift out thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And so what God is telling Moses and the children of Israel is that you need to continue forward by faith. Because whenever we stand in the place between God and Satan, what happens is the enemy has a chance to catch up. And if they catch up to us, they can drag us back into that bondage, that sin, 
and the, the, the lust that we have towards the world and our flesh will drag us back into that bondage of sin. And so God wants us to continually to move forward with him by faith. And that's the example we see here. And so lesson to learn, go forward. That the, the, just the, uh, the personal application, go forward in your walk with God, not backward. Now, let's hop back over to Isaiah, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 9 in chapter, chapter 1. So Isaiah 1, verse 5, we'll read through verse 9. It says, Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. So the children of Israel are just becoming increasingly rebellious. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and, and putrefying sores. It sounds terrible. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. It sounds miserable. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate. They were supposed to go to the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, and fulfill and just just living in God's presence, like in the basking like in his blessings. And this is what they end up with because their disobedience, their rebellion, their backsliding, moving away from God instead of moving forward with God by faith and obedience. And it says and the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard and a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. There's no fruit. There's no harvest. It's desolate. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. And so we see the cities burned with fire. Strangers devoured the land in their very presence. Their land was overthrown by strangers, and we know enemy after enemy comes and attacks them, and all this stuff. There's no fruit. There's no harvest. Without God's mercy, leaving a remnant in the land, they would have been utterly destroyed, like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, the lesson to the to be learned here, I, I took away was you, wages of sin is death, it's destruction. And so we continue to read, um, but you know what? It's it's also like this. They also conceded the victory that they experienced when they first came out of Egypt. They conceded the victory that they, that they experienced with God moving forward by faith. Instead of continuing to live in the victory, though, they, they went backward again. Let's go back to Exodus 14. And actually, if you want to go there, you can. I've just got some things written down here because it was awesome. After they received that victory, there was great rejoicing. There was a huge celebration and when they went forward by faith, God gave them the victory. The believing became the unbelieving became believers. That's a representation of spiritual fruit. They glorified God and they sang things like this. I will sing unto the Lord. He hath triumphed gloriously. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In the greatness of Thy excellency, Thou hast overthrown them that rose up against Thee. Who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like Thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? 
Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The Lord shall reign forever and ever, for he hath triumphed gloriously. And so, when we listen to and when we obey God by faith, others see our faith and God working through us. And that increases their faith. And then God works in others as he accomplishes his work in us. Again, it's the discipleship process. And so the conclusion I come to out of that passage, out of Exodus 14 and 14.31 through 15.19 is that, man, we've got to keep going forward by faith. That's the only conclusion you can come to. Is that if we don't, man, there are souls at stake. Let's go back to Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah 1.10 through 15. And it says, Hear the word of the Lord. Ye rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? So they're making a bunch of sacrifices. They've walked backward. They're rebelling against God. But here they are. They're making much sacrifice. Saith Lord, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of the goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. It's like they've gone so far back. Um, you know, from God, they continued. But even though they, they did that, they continued in their religious ceremonies, you know. And I don't, maybe it was to ease their conscience, but their worship and sacrifices under the Lord, they were being performed in the flesh in the name of religion because it certainly wasn't in the name of God. And so their heart attitude was completely wrong. At one time, God heard their cries. And you remember, if you go back into Exodus, he hears their cries and he's like, I'm going to deliver my people. And that's where it all started. But now he says, I won't hear your prayers. I'll hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. So the lesson to be learned there, God wants an obedient heart, not an outward display of spirituality or religion. And we see that in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Let's go ahead and continue in, in verse 16 in Isaiah chapter 1 here through 20. And it says here, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so, we see here, what I take away from this is that no matter what our spiritual condition is, God is always interested in being reconciled to us. Here we see God's call to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And the passage even points to the coming of Jesus Christ and the washing away of sin by the blood of Jesus. To eat the good of the land that people have to be willing and obedient toward God. 
Or they can choose to be devoured by the sword of their enemies, refusing and rebelling to, to receive God and His Word. And God is not willing that any should perish, but He gives us a free will to either follow Him or reject Him. And so the lesson I learned there, I went back to Romans 5.8. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we see in verses 21 through 23, um, how this is, how, how was this faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. But now murderers. Thy silver has become dross. Thy wine mixed with water. Thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless. Neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. And so we see here the children of Israel, they left God, they played the harlot through idolatry, and we heard a little bit about that from Sam this morning in the message. You know, God desires to have a personal relationship with me, and if I'm his child, I need to remain faithful to him. And so that's, that's, that's what I took from, from that passage, Isaiah one twenty four through 27. And it says, Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of my enemies, and I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. And I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converse with righteousness. And so again, we see that though even in God's judgment, He shows mercy. And so God will chastise His children that live in disobedience to sin, but He keeps His promise to one day restore Jerusalem as the city of God. You see that in Revelation 21 too. It points to the prophecy that Jesus is coming back and He'll set up uh, the holy city, New Jerusalem. It'll be like coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so they still have that promise. And so we see that God as a loving Father, even in His judgment toward us, shows mercy. And then let's look at Isaiah one twenty-eight through 31. And it says, And the destruction of the transgressors of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be conf- confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. A lot of times they had set up idols under trees or in gardens. For you shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark. And they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. And here I simply wrote, by his own sin, the sinner ignites the fire of hell, and it cannot be quenched. Here we see God's judgment on those who don't repent and continue in their own way. So those who have not repented of their sin and have accepted God's gift of eternal life will be damned for all of eternity. But those who have accepted God's gift of eternal life have a responsibility to keep moving forward with God so others may have the opportunity to hear the gospel and be ministered to. And so, again, I, God gave this passage to me in 2018. I didn't know that it would be for a, a time like this. Uh, I'm just going to open up and just share that, you know, Jessica and I, back in 2018, made a decision to, to move somewhere else. And uh, needless to say, when we came back or made the decision to come back, things did not 
exactly turned out the way we thought they would. And uh, so God, so through this, you know, I've, I've been like the children of Israel. I can't say that I'm like Jesus yet over in Luke 13, that mature believer who just continues to walk forward by faith. Actually, the last two years since we've been back from there, I've been in a, in a spot where I've been standing still. I've been standing still in the middle of the race. I've been standing still in the middle of the fight. God has not gotten the best of me. And it has prevented spiritual fruit from coming forth. And uh, so we've been going through this series on victory and exodus. And the Holy Spirit just keeps convicting and calling this passage back to me saying, Son, it's time to get moving forward again. And so delivering this message to me is, this is me. Real starting to move again. And so I, I think the question is, and what comes down to the personal application of this message, this was, is where in our relationship with God today? You know, going back to chapter 13, if you go back to 13, you look at the first few verses there. And uh, Jesus is speaking in parables, but in Luke 13, those first few verses, man, He's talking about repentance for sinners to salvation. And so I don't know, maybe there's somebody here today, maybe you're like one of these people in verses 1-5 through of Luke 13 who needs to repent of sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see the fig tree there in verses 6-10. through And this is where I'm at. And this is where I've been the last two years. Like this fig tree. And slowly, God has been using the Word of God under the preaching and teaching here at Midtown under Mitch's guidance and pastoring and uh, the, the feeding of the Word in my life. And God has used Mitch, like he said, the past 30 years to help me get through things in my spiritual life. To help keep me moving forward. And... uh and so this is this is where I've been the last two years. I'm like this fig tree, not producing fruit. But God has been using the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, cultivating the spiritual ground in my life. Because I, I want you to see a phrase here. And it says, Then he said unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered, Answering, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut, cut it down. And so what happens here with the tree, he's saying, let's restore this tree. Let's, let's tree a fruitful tree again. And I'm going to dig around it, and I'm going to fertilize it, and I'm going to water it. And you do that so that the water, it, it, it makes it easier for the water up the ground, you cultivate the ground so that the, the watering of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and it works with the fertile, it gets down in there in your heart and then new roots can, can begin to grow and he takes the sword and he does some pruning here, cutting off the dead parts of our lives spiritually so that new spiritual roots can grow roots that are rooted in and in his love and in his strength and in his grace and in his truth so that we can be fruitful once again. And so, this, this morning I just, 
I, I, you know, it's just a, it's where I'm at. And I just wanted to, to share this with you guys. God gave it in 2008, gave it to me in 2018. Uh, again, little did I know he was going to use it now to get me moving forward again. And uh, I don't know, maybe there's somebody here like the lady in verses 11 through 17 in Luke 13 with a spirit of infirmity. Something that's got a hold on you that you can't seem to get free from so that you can enter into a relationship with God. So I don't, no matter where you're at today, um, if you need salvation, if you need to enter into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know that's where you're at and that's your next step, I just want to encourage you to talk to Mitch. Come talk to me, one of the other men in the class you trust. Um, if you're a lady, talk to one of the, the, the women in the class you know as a leader about that. And if you're just in a spot in your life where you want someone to come alongside of you and to help you take that next step, someone to pray with you, someone to get in the Word of God with you to help cultivate that, that spiritual ground in your life, then make sure you pull alongside somebody and you get with someone who can do that for you. So let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And God, I just thank you for your Word. I thank you for the way it works in my life and the lives of others around me. Lord, um, I it's a simple message uh, coming from a simple person, but Lord, I just pray that, that God, somehow you might use it in somebody else's life, Lord. Um, uh, you, you tremendously use it in my life to, to hear, bring me to this spot and help me to start moving forward again. So, Lord, I just pray you would, you would reveal to each and every single one of us what our next step is in our spiritual walk with you. Help us to be like your son, Jesus, who is not afraid to face the attacks and to minister in the face of spiritual attacks. Um, being like Him, just continuing to move forward, ministering each day, um, Lord, no matter what is thrown at Him. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would also do the same because, Lord, um, the souls of men, women, and children are at stake. And uh, Lord, we do have a finite period of time on this earth. Lord, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for the hope of eternal life. And Lord, we just we, 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 we rejoice in that. And so, God, I pray we go forth today encouraged uh, by the messages. And, uh, Lord, taking something away that, that we can move forward with. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you.